I feel good, na 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 I knew that I would now because I'm healthy, fit and strong. How about you? If you're not, do you want to be? And have you ever met anybody that said to you, I want to be out of shape, unfit, unhealthy, have bad skin and nails, I'd like to have a slow metabolism, I'd like to pick up every germ, bug, virus and disease because my immune system doesn't work, I'd like to have an uh, endocrine hormonal system that's out of control so my emotions are controlling me and my hormones are controlling my life, I'm just being silly now. If we have a choice between being healthy, fit and strong and not, I'm pretty sure we'd choose healthy, fit and strong. So interestingly, we do have that choice. But why then do so few people choose that? Now, that's obviously not you or it may not be you. But around about now, we're getting towards the 80, 90% of people in the world that don't have an eating and exercise plan that's going to keep them healthy, fit and strong for the rest of their lives, which is a little bit awkward and yucky for somebody like me who's been an exercise professional all of my life. Now I have an international college that's focused on getting people healthy, fit and strong. And I've been doing that for a long time, uh, yet the world is sicker and weaker and more diseased and more depressed than it's ever been in history. Now, I think that that's a very negative, negative stuff that's come out of my mouth, but unfortunately, it's true. So what are we doing wrong as exercise professionals, parents, teachers, coaches, that the world is just getting less healthy by the day, it seems, by the minute? I don't want that for our kids, and that's why... Romax is here every single day. I want our kids to grow up in a world where they know that healthy, fit and strong is normal. They know they can have a career or business that they love because they've got high self-esteem, self-confidence and a brain that works really well so they can go out and achieve their goals, be financially free and attract great people into their life. That's what I'm here for every day. But I'm constantly kicking my own backside. I have a sore ass, sore, upper, sore chin from uppercuts. Because obviously what we're doing now as parents, teachers, coaches, exercise professionals isn't working. Uh, whatever message we're sending out there it just doesn't work. Now, we could argue that we've got a great message or we've got the right eating plan or the right exercise plan and every, if everybody did my eating and exercise plan, it would work. Even if that's true, the way we're communicating that isn't working because people just don't, they want to be healthy and they want to be fit and they want to be strong and they want to be in great shape, but they don't want to do the process. Now, I often look at other professions when I get into that perplexed headspace, why don't people want to be healthy? And I always look at the dentists, because the poor old dentists, when you go there, it's not a wow experience usually, uh, unless you've got well-maintained teeth, and that's the reason you go. Isn't that interesting? Wouldn't it be nice to just have to maintain a healthy, fit, strong body, not have to get it fixed because it's rotted away or it's got diseases in it, which is what happens to our teeth if we don't go to the dentist on a regular basis. But the dentists don't talk about what kind of drill they're going to use or what kind of injection they're going to give you or what kind of leather chair you're sitting in or what kind of x-rays they're going to take or even how much it's going to cost. A good dentist, I don't know if you've noticed, but my dentist always talks to me about strong, straight, white, clean, healthy teeth. That's what I want to have. They don't focus on the process, which might be the cleaning or the uh, the maintenance of your teeth or the filling of your teeth or the drilling of your teeth or whatever they have to do to make your teeth clean, white, strong and beautiful. They focus on the outcome. 
So there's a great place to start, isn't it, for an exercise professional, for somebody who really wants people to be healthy. Should we be focusing on the outcome and the results that a person will get from their exercise, not the exercise itself? Because the connection between unhealthy out of shape and healthy and in great shape is healthy eating and a regular exercise program. But people don't want to do those. And the reason we know that is because they're not. Uh, People may say they want to be healthy, but they're not choosing. In fact, I'll rephrase that. Are they choosing not to exercise as soon as they get busy, they get stressed, they get angry, something comes up, it's too hot, it's too cold, they drop their exercise program. Uh, If for any excuse whatsoever, most people, well, I'm going out for dinner or I'm going to a wedding or I'm going to a social event or I've got a big party, so I'm just going to eat whatever I want to, so I'm going to drop my healthy eating plan. Now, that may not be you, but one of the things that I've had to really seriously give myself an uppercut about is that what I do and how passionate I am about exercise uh, hasn't worked. And this is an interesting question now. Is it possible that fit, strong, healthy people are stopping unfit people from getting fit, strong and healthy? And this is a very personal question and something I was I became very aware of a long time ago now, so I changed my headspace and my vocabulary straight away. But it's interesting to keep listening to what's going on. So if you're healthy, fit and strong and somebody says to you, wow, you're in great shape, you look fantastic, you've got ripped abdominals, you look really healthy, you obviously have a fast metabolism because you eat lots of food, what do you do? And it's a lovely question, isn't it? It makes our ego go through the roof and we, we, oh wow, they've noticed how gorgeous I look or they noticed how healthy I am or they noticed how much food I eat and I've got a fast metabolism and we tell people what we do. And have you heard it? Uh, there's a bit of, well, there's lots of jokes going around about if you ask, uh, how do you know somebody's done a marathon? Or how do you know somebody's done an Ironman? Or how do you know somebody's on a diet? Because they'll tell you. So if somebody says to you, why are you in great shape? How come you're so healthy, fit and strong? Isn't it possible that we tell them? I go to the gym for hours and I do 45 minute classes and I lift heavy weights and I run marathons and I exercise every single day for hours and hours. And is it possible that somebody that's unfit, unhealthy, out of shape, uh, that sounds all too hard? And the reason I ask that question so specifically is the behavioral scientists, psychologists and psychiatrists, the people that study the brain, uh, will share with us openly that we only make change when the pain is greater than the pleasure we're already in. So if somebody's enjoying their food and they're enjoying their alcohol and they're not that unhappy about the, the way they look and feel... The pain of having to do hours of exercise and the pain of not being able to eat what they want is too great. So they don't make any changes. So as a connector, and that's what I call myself often or the way I think about myself in my own brain, how do I connect unfit, unhealthy, out of shape people with I want to be healthy, fit and strong and I want to do whatever is required to get there? And I think that's where we screw up and I think we've screwed up royally. Number one, if you're passionate about exercise and if you exercise for hours and hours and you go to classes for 45 minutes and you run for an hour and you do all sorts of uh, endurance events and you, and you just love to exercise, is it possible that you've already been labelled a, a fanatic, an exercise lunatic? Uh, oh, she's that crazy lady that eats healthy food and goes to the gym every day. And we get treated, people who, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but I certainly have, where I've had people want to remove themselves from my life 
because I'm healthy, fit and strong and because I do exercise every day and because I love to look after myself, it's almost like, well, that's too confronting for me. I don't want to see that every day, so I'm not going to hang out with Rowie anymore, which is why I'm very proud of and very excited to share with you what people say or what I say to people when they ask me, what is it that you do? So first of all, when somebody asks me, what exercise do you do, what incline are you on, etc., which they very rarely do, uh, but they will, will often say, you're obviously in great shape, what do you do? Or you're really healthy, what do you do? You're a really old lady, but you're capable of doing all this stuff, what do you do? Now, as I always share in communication, my next question is always, why did you ask me that question? And usually I don't have to go much past that because people just start talking about what they believe in. One of the uh, confronting questions that sometimes I will ask is the, the program that you're on now, the one that you believe in, the one that you're passionate about or the one that you believe will work? Because often people aren't doing an exercise program but they're still pa- passionate about one because it's something that they did in the past. And I'll just put a side note in there. A lot of people, if they lost weight in the past or they got into great shape in the past or they used to play sports somewhere in the distant past... They believe they have to go back to doing that again if they ever want to be healthy. And is that one of the reasons why they don't go back? Because it was all too hard. They used to spend hours at the gym or they used to have a really fanatical eating plan or they used to run for hours and hours and that was the only way that they know how to get into great shape so they don't want to have to do that again. So I'm going to cut all that into one simple sentence. As little as possible. How do you get healthy, fit and strong? Do as little as possible. And I'm not joking and I'm not sharing some fairy story and I'm not trying to convince people to exercise and hope that in the future they'll do do more than the tiniest bit possible. But ultimately I have physiology on my side and that's what I had to learn. I had to learn my anatomy, what's the body made of, and my physiology, how do those body systems work together to make sure that the human body can be fit and strong. And what I've learned the hard way, the very hard way, because I've done lots of long distance events and plod jogging and big long runs and marathon runs and lots of stuff that's ruined my body from overuse injuries from doing too much stuff because I didn't understand the phosphate system. The three energy systems that drive the human body, the only one that, that, the only one that works at 100% or the only one that we can work 100% in is the phosphate system and that only lasts for 10 seconds. You can only work at 100% effort for 10 seconds. So my next question is always this, if I put in 100% effort, will I get 100% result? Reverse question, if I only put in a 50% effort, how can I expect 100% result? And I think that's a really important question. So if we talk about 45-minute exercise sessions or 30-minute runs or classes that go for an hour or going to the gym three times a week for an hour or two hours because you're a fanatic or you love it or it's your, your lifestyle, is it possible that that turns people off versus if the response is how do you get healthy, fit and strong and the answer is do as little as possible. If I could create an exercise program for you that got you healthy, fit, strong, gave you a fast metabolism, turned your body into a calorie-burning, fat-burning, sugar-burning machine, gave you a strong immune system, made your hormonal system work effectively so that you're in control of your your hormones, not the other way around. If we could turn your body into a high-performance machine so that you look good, feel good, and do all the things that you want to do, and it took a tiny amount of time, minutes a week, not hours a week, minutes a week, Would that be easier to do than the exercise program that you think that you have to do? And notice that I used all the outcomes, not the process. 
Because for most people, the process, the exercise is the yucky bit. Well, I don't, I don't want the exercise to be a yucky bit, but I don't actually think we need to exercise. I don't think 45-minute classes or 30-minute runs or three, three times a week at the gym has ever worked. And there, I can share that passionately because I've done it. I've been an exercise professional for 40 years and I've watched the world get sicker and fatter and older and more depressed and more diseased than it's ever been. So whatever we've been doing hasn't worked. And I'm going to ask the question again, even if you think it does work, it doesn't because we're either communicating the information wrongly, you need to do three hours every single day or you need to do five hours every week or the, all the medical associations are all saying you have to do 150 minutes a week or 75 minutes of uh, intense activity every week. You have to do at least 20 minutes or don't bother. You have to do at least... 20, 30, 40, 50 exercises in the gym or don't bother. It hasn't worked, has it? And what humans as adults do, I, I cannot be concerned about that anymore because adults get to make their own decisions. And if an adult thinks they have to go to the gym for three hours every week or they have to do a 45-minute class or they're never going to lose weight if they don't run for an hour, I'm not going to try and change people's minds because I, I don't have time for those kind of arguments what I'm really focused on is our kids. I don't want our kids to grow up in a world where it's normal to be overweight, out of shape, depressed, angry that they can't eat the foods that they want to eat, uh, and thinking that being sick and diseased and overweight is normal. I don't want our kids to live like that. How about you? So what if we go back to the fundamentals of anatomy and physiology? Now, you don't have to do that, but I'm asking if you are an exercise professional, if you are any kind of person who delivers information about the human body and how to get it into great shape, could it be a really good idea to learn your anatomy and physiology? Now, I don't want to sound uh, condescending or uh, like somebody's mother or school teacher. I'm asking myself that same question because that's what I did. Uh, the world got fatter and sicker and weaker on my watch. My body, my body got busted and broken from doing big, long, plod jogging, plod jogging long boring exercise programs and I, I, at the time they probably weren't boring because I, I love to exercise but I, here's, here's what I don't love, love having a broken body and busted joints and a body that can't do all the things that I used to do because I did stupid dumb exercises that put shearing forces across my joints and busted my joints so now as an old lady keeping that body fit and strong is a hell of a lot harder than if I had from the beginning what I want for kids He's looked after my body effectively, exercised it effectively, which is short, hard, fast. Because you can't exercise long and hard. It's just not possible. The phosphate system, the 100% effort system, lasts for 10 seconds. Now, if you've got an hour to exercise, awesome. And if you love to exercise for an hour, awesome. But is it possible? Two things. One is that most people don't ever want to exercise for an hour. And even if you do love to exercise for an hour, is it possible that there'll come a time when you don't have an hour? Your, your job will take over or your family will take over or you'll be on holidays or you'll get stressed or something will come up in your life and you don't have an hour. And is it possible that we say this, I haven't got an hour so I won't do anything? What if I've got 10 seconds, I can do 10 seconds. I can sprint on the spot, I can shadow box, I can skip, I can do push-ups, I can do jump squats, I can do something to get me puffed because the, the, the phosphate system, in fact, the whole body doesn't know what we're doing. All your body knows, if you get puffed, you will get fit and if you overload your muscles and bones, you'll get strong. And those two things, if I'm fit and if I'm strong, what else can I do? 
if I'm really fit, if the whole world was really fit and if the whole world was really strong, what else could we do? How many mountains could we climb? How many challenges could we overcome? How many sports could we play? How many arguments would we not have to have about uh, whether something's a good idea or a bad idea? Because our brain would be working more effectively, so we'd be able to communicate more effectively. We'd have a better financial plan because our brain's working better. Is it possible we'd make better decisions about our career and our business because our brain's working better? Is it possible we have better self-esteem and self-confidence because our body feels fantastic? When you're fit and when you're strong, is it possible that everything is better? So I'm going to ask the question again. How do I get fit? The only answer is I have to get puffed. I have to overload my cardiovascular respiratory system. My heart and lungs have to work hard, otherwise they've got no reason to change. They've got no reason to get fit. So yes, I could go for longer than 10 seconds, but there's some real challenges with longer than 10 seconds. If I go from the phosphate system to the lactate system, so the phosphate system is 10 seconds, 100% effort, no waste products, and I recover quickly. And it's only 10 seconds. I'm going to say that again. 10 seconds. Go as hard as you can. You can't go any longer than 10 seconds because after that, you go into the lactate system, which is 10 seconds to two minutes. You can work very hard in the lactate system, and elite athletes do. But you've got to build up a very serious resistance to this product, this waste product in the lactate system called lactic acid. And lactic acid makes your muscles burn. And I'm sure you've heard that expression, feel the burn. Well, you might like the burn. Elite athletes might like the burn because they've built up a resistance to it. But the average person who hates to exercise, do we really think they want to feel the burn? Along with that lactic acid intolerance comes nausea. You actually feel sick. It's called the green zone for a reason. Between 10 seconds and two minutes, if you try and work really hard there, you will feel sick if you're not very fit. Why would I want to put somebody into that situation if they, if they hate exercise? Once I'm out of my two minutes, once I can go longer than two minutes, now I'm in the aerobic system. And that's long, slow and boring. We know that because we live in the aerobic system all day long, all of our lives. If you're not puffing and sprinting and if you're not in the lactate system you're in the aerobic system which is breathing in oxygen breathing out carbon dioxide and the waste product is sorry carbon dioxide sweat water we can keep going for a really long time but you can't work at 100% in your aerobic system because that's the phosphate system in the aerobic system it's long slow and boring so anything past two minutes for the human body it should be easy now if you're unfit and you're getting puffed, why would we take somebody for long, for a long exercise session past 10 seconds, two minutes into the aerobic system when they hate to exercise? Why wouldn't we give them an exercise program? How about this? Let's forget the word exercise and just say, let's get you fit and let's get you strong and it's only going to take 10 seconds at a time. We're not going to exercise. That's silliness because nobody likes to exercise. We're just going to do... Something that's going to get you fit and something that's going to get you strong and it's only going to take 10 seconds and you can stop as soon as you feel puffed or as soon as you feel tired. I learnt this the hard way because I think in my lifetime as an exercise professional, I've turned off a stack of people from wanting to be healthy, fit and strong. Because when people ask me, Rowie, what do you do? My ego was so inflated that I used to tell them, oh, I run every day, sometimes two hours every day. I run marathons every year. I do half marathons every second day. 
uh, and that's a, probably a bit of an exaggeration, but there was a time in my life where I was doing that. For a couple of years, I actually ran more than 20 kilometers every second day. I taught classes every day. I've been, I've been exercising every day my entire life. Who wants to hear that? It sounds like a fanatic. But now when people say, Roa, you're in great shape, you're healthy, fit and strong, what do you do? Why did you ask me the question is always my question because that's about great communication skills. But if somebody really wants to get healthy, fit and strong, and usually it's kids now because I don't talk to adults very often, I say to kids, wouldn't it be awesome to have a fit, strong body and brain that only takes 10 seconds? And you know how excited kids get? They start sprinting on the spot straight away. They love getting puffed. They love, I love leaving a school and the kids are sprinting up and down the school. They sprint, get their breath back, sprint, get their breath back. We used to do that as kids though, didn't we? Well, I certainly did and I know that I'm an old lady so maybe kids don't do that anymore. But we didn't want to sit down, we wanted to be playing outside and we wanted to get puffed and we loved it. And maybe that's what happened, we've stopped kids from doing that. I don't know why and I don't want to get into that conversation because I'm not a parent. All I'm asking is this, to get fit you've got to get puffed, to get strong you've got to overload your muscles and bones and the system for doing that at 100% effort is a phosphate system and it only takes 10 seconds. So why would we give anybody anything longer than that unless they love it? And is it possible that most people don't love it? So I'll go back to my question before, which is even if you've got an hour, why wouldn't you sprint, get your breath back, sprint, get your breath back so that you're always working at 100% effort in that hour? If you've only got 30 minutes, sprint, get your breath back, sprint, get your breath back. doesn't matter how you're sprinting, by the way. It doesn't have to be running as long as you're puffing. So puff, get your breath back, puff, get your breath back in 30 seconds. What if for one day you go, oh, I can't make it to the gym. I haven't got time. Something's come up. I've only got a minute in the morning. Sprint, get your breath back, sprint, get your breath back. And you can do that six times, six puffs. Imagine the world if every day we got puffed six times. So we pumped epinephrine, adrenaline, cortisol, which then produced dopamine, serotonin, endorphins, brain-derived neurotropic factor, which is fertilizer for our brain. Imagine a world where everybody was so fit and strong that they could handle stress because they were constantly stressing their own body and they were really fit and really strong. And I could just keep going on because I'm so excited about this. But I can't, it, me talking about it doesn't matter. I know that this works because the physiology says 100% effort, phosphate system. Recover, get your breath back, go again. Why we would do anything else, I don't know, unless you've got a sport where you have to be fit for that. And is it possible then that the reason you get, at, uh, you build up a tolerance to lactic acid or you can run for hours and hours is because you are fit and strong. And just as a very personal side note, I used to do long, slow runs to try and get fit for marathon, half marathon and then full marathons. I did what all the experts told me, long 30-kilometre 30 uh, 30 runs, 20-kilometre runs, 10-kilometre runs, and I hated it. I was always broken. My feet were always sore. I was always tired, and my marathons were pretty bloody slow. As soon as I stopped doing long-distance running and I started sprint training and lifting heavy, and that was the only thing I did, my marathon running time came way down. So I, I took 20, up to 20 minutes. Uh, I used to run four-hour marathons, and I cut my uh, time down to 340s, 341s, 342s because I was fit and I was strong and I wasn't tired. I arrived at the, at the start line to a marathon fully energized to go, not tired, because I wasn't doing long, slow, boring exercise sessions. I'm just sharing that with you personally because it's really awesome to do short exercise, 10-second bursts of exercise, and still be fit and strong enough to do everything that I want to do 
include running marathons, working in the garden all day long, climbing mountains all day. I can go forever. But my, my exercise program is, has nothing to do with exercise, the traditional form of exercise. I get puffed for 10 seconds and I lift heavy, as heavy as I can possibly lift. And I, I'm because I love to lift, I do three exercises. Please don't use my program. Please learn your anatomy and physiology so, you, so that we, we have an understanding for our kids that being healthy, fit and strong isn't about long, boring, slow exercise that we drop as soon as we've got stress in our lives or as soon as it's hot or as soon as it's cold. It doesn't matter how cold it is. You can exercise for 10 seconds outside because you can come back inside if, if it's too cold. Even if it's stinking hot, you can sprint on the spot for 10 seconds, which is, if it's hot, that's way easier than going out for a 30-minute run. But the beautiful thing is when you've got epinephrine, adrenaline, cortisol pumping through your body and you're in, now you're alive. They're the alive drugs. They're the ones that keep you alive. And once you've recovered from that epinephrine, adrenaline, and cortisol, then we've got serotonin, dopamine, endorphins, brain drive, neurotropic factor, where they're the happy drugs. And wouldn't it be nice if the world was happy? So if you want to be able to sing like I do every day, I feel good, no, 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 I knew that, I would now. Thank you for coming to Romax. My name's Rowie. Please, for, the, for our kids, could we learn about the phosphate system, the lactate system, the aerobic system and how they work and how they don't work so that our kids can have a life where being overweight is not normal. May we all be living our life to the max. How about this? To that super max. Woohoo! I feel good. No, 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 no. I knew that. I would now. Woohoo!